reading from the book of James, chapter 3, verses 1 through 12. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships for an example. Although they are so large and driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue is also a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire, and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind. But no human being can tame the tongue. It is a restless evil full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth comes praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt produce fresh water. May the Lord bless the reading of his word. Who else is getting sick of this? Yeah. Amen. We can say amen about that. So Ian said at the prayer meeting, he said this morning too, it's sometimes feel like the church is at a prisoner of war camp. And, uh, you know, God has called us to be the salt of the earth, to go out, proclaim the gospel. You know, we're, we are not uh, called to the barracks. We're called to the field. We're called to, to be out there and sharing the love and word of Christ. And uh, so, but you got to be prepared to do that, right? You have to be prepared to do that. I, I am not a car mechanic. Uh, Charles is back there. Let's go give Charles a hand. He's back. Praise the Lord. <laughs> Whew. So I know that if you're at home and you're watching this, the audio actually sounded great today. Because uh, every time I touch the thing, it's not so well. So uh, praise the Lord. But if you ask me, uh, Major, my car is making this strange sound. Can you work on it? I would be the greatest terror aparter ever. I could tear your part. I've got lots of tools to tear your car apart but I wouldn't fix your car. However, Charles, he's very uh, well-versed in cars. He, he could probably figure out what's wrong with it. He is, uh, but he's been equipped for that. You know, God wants us to be equipped to be able to go out and share God's word, but part of that equipping is we need to actually spend time with God, right? Can you imagine that if you had a spouse that you only spent uh, one or two times a year with, and then uh, you're trying to describe that person to somebody else? You don't really know them. We need to spend time with the Lord. Now, James here, James, great book. And, uh, but I just want to tell you that we need to listen up. I love this picture here. Listen up. Uh, that's what's going on here. Being a Christian is much more than kneeling at the altar to accept Jesus as Savior. It's more than church attendance. 
It's more than volunteering. It's more than what you bring to the table. It's much more than that. James here is stressing, pleading, expressing, demanding, showing that Christianity is actually living God's word in our lives, be an example for others, living as people who are guided by the Holy Spirit's presence. It's not lip service. And I'll tell you, if that doesn't describe you, then you've got to put your, you've got to work on that. You're missing out too. You're missing out. You know, when you run into that grumpy Christian, I'm always like, wow, you are totally missing it. I think sometimes they've got their, uh, actually, I'm going to use the songbook because it's red. Uh, this is my uh, get out of, oh, that's blue. Here it is. This is my get out of hell free card, right? Kind of like when you're playing um, Monopoly and you get out, get out of jail free. It's not that. Salvation is much more, much more. In your Bible, uh, this section is listed as uh, listening and doing. Listening and doing. And that should be a key, right? Right there. Did you know that if you search the internet, which don't do that right now, but if you search the internet on types of listening, types of listening, you'll find, uh, if you use Google, it'll put you a little box there, and it'll have like two types of listening, and three types of listening, and four types of listening, and five types of listening. And if you keep searching, you'll find out there's nine. And if you keep searching, I'm sure it'll keep going longer and longer and longer. So what does that tell us? That listening is important even in a secular context, even in a secular context. Now, I happen to like these three types of listening. It's what I remember from my speech class uh, way back uh, before the, um, the internet blew up with the year 2000. Um, this is what I remember, passive listening, selective listening, and active listening. There's three types there. Passive listening is just what it says there. You listen with indifference. You know, it, it hits your ear and doesn't go anywhere else. It's passive listening. It's what happens when you've got that show on TV and uh, you're playing with your iPad while you're also uh, mentally trying to figure out what you're going to have for dinner. That's called passive listening. And then all of a sudden something happens on the TV and you're like, wait, what? Rewind that. Or your wife says something and you're like, wait, what? What was that? That's called passive listening. By the way, it's very annoying for your spouse, if you didn't know. Second one is selective listening. Uh, second type, best describes, we only hear what we want to hear, is selective listening. When it's something we agree with, we're like, amen, brother, amen. When it doesn't fit our narrative, we fight arguments in our head. Like, you ever argue with the TV? You know, we all do that. We fight arguments in our head, sometimes yelling at the host on TV. Uh, we dismiss it, uh, it doesn't apply to us. Or when you hear a pastor talking about something and you're like, yeah, I totally agree with that. And then he gets that part and you're like, well, I don't really like that because that's too uh, invasive because that means I have to change. So, uh, so we selective listen. You know, we selective listen, uh, oops. We selective listen in marriage too, right? Your spouse says something, you hear the part you want to hear, you didn't hear the part that was important. Or sometimes you hear all the words but you completely miss the inflection behind the words. Like when your spouse says, take out the trash. Okay, I'll take out the trash. You completely miss that she might be angry about something. My wife would never do that, but. <laughs> the last is she's a saint. The third is active listening, which is what James is talking about here. You make an effort to understand what is being said to absorb what is being said, and to participate in what's being said. That's called active listening. 
And that's the listening that James is talking about here. And notice it's a process. It's a process. And context here is in relation to spiritual teaching. So while this word of God here applies towards your personal relationships in your, in your marriages, in your family, in your uh, work relationships, even with the person working at the grocery store, all that is true. But James here is talking about a spiritual context. And I want us to remember, you know, James did not write this book for the unsaved guy, the uncircumcised Philistine, uh, living his life in sin two blocks away. That, this book is not written for him. This book is written for the church. So as we read this, we have to realize, there, this isn't for somebody else, this is for me. This is me. That's who this is written for. And I think sometimes in the church we read, we read God's word with selective listening. Oh, Lord, that's for that guy over there. Ooh, I know exactly. That brother needs that. That sister needs this. When really God's saying, no, no, this is for you. This is you. You need this. I need this. Notice listening's a process. Many times on our news feed we see people losing their mind because they, somebody gets their order wrong at McDonald's or somewhere. I don't know if you've seen that. There was one recently that popped up in my uh, YouTube thing and a feed, and uh, it was some guy very upset. I didn't actually watch the video. I only saw the, saw the scene that was on there, but evidently he grabs this lady at McDonald's by the shirt and pulls her across the counter. I don't know how bad could your order have been, really. There's people full of rage. Sometimes they're spouting all sorts of crazy political talk or other stuff, just crazy stuff. A pontificating, canceling, full of non-facts, definitely full of feeling, right? A lot of people can have lots of feelings and rage. And you sit back and wonder, how could you be so full of rage? We, for Christians, we're called to be full of Christ. Full of Christ. Full of the Holy Spirit's power. So full of Jesus that the impurity is pushed out. And the world is driven away. So our words are full of love and peace and joy. And Jesus, right? Grace and accountability. But I'll tell you, not everybody wants that. Not everybody wants that. We love grace. We love love. We hate accountability. Hate accountability. When we're driving down the road and uh, we're five or ten miles an hour over the speed limit, it's like, oh, okay, not a problem. And uh, if somebody goes past you at 15 miles an hour over the speed limit, you speed demon! Right? And uh, they get pulled over by the police, and what do we do? Whoa. That's right. You get them, Jesus. Then we get pulled over. Whoa, I didn't realize I was going so fast. What, what's going on? I need a break. I, it wasn't me, right? We want to pass judgment on that guy, but we don't take it ourselves. We don't like accountability. So James tells us here in chapter 1 and chapter 3 the importance of keeping a tight rein on our tongues so that we speak the truth in love so that we may show that we are wise and full of understanding and lie full of humility. Now, before we get to um, <laughs> those self-righteous things, you might think, um, yeah, yeah, Major, but what about those people who like to argue and, and spout hate? You know, you should hit them with the Bible, Major. Go get them, right? We in the church have the same issue. Just because we sit in a chair or stand at a podium does not make us immune to human sin. I mean, Christians get all crazy, too. 
Maybe the guy pulled the lady across the counter at, uh, at that McDonald's. Maybe he went to church every week. I don't know. We can completely miss out. James is writing to the church, not the unsaved here. Remember, these words are directed towards us. So I just ask you to listen up. Our first idea is per- positive personality. And um, Jesus is telling us in this first section how to listen, right? So uh, in both passages, uh, what we read should be read at weddings too. What do we read at weddings? Love is patient, love is kind. When was the last time you had a wedding that, that said the, the tongue starts fires? Right? Husband, you know, future husband and wife are standing there before the pastor, and he reads, the tongue starts fires. If you, if you were in the audience, you'd be like, what's the world? He must know something we don't know. Be wagging our tongues to each other. Um, that's a free sidebar. So everyone, uh, we want you to notice here that everyone, not some, not sometimes, but everyone and every time, James tells us, should be quick to listen. My dear brothers, this is chapter one. Take note of this. In other words, listen up. Everyone should be quick to listen. That means this doesn't apply. So if you're sitting there thinking that doesn't apply to me, uh, God's word says everyone, so that would be you. That would be me. Everyone should be quick to listen. Uh, We should be active listening, engaged, trying to comprehend. Now, some of you um, who use many words to convey simple things might be saying, amen, brother. Amen, brother. And I pray you're able to do the next part, which is slow to speak. Uh, Now, major might be meddling now, because if you like to talk a lot, slow to speak would apply to you if you talk a lot. We can't just blather on, waffling. There's a, uh, when I was in England, long time ago, there, I went to this one church, and I met this one youth guy, and he, uh, he talked about, we'd just been with somebody, and he said, that guy waffles on. And I was like, what? I guess waffling in England means you kind of talk a lot. That's what he said, at least for him. Uh, anyway, we can't just blather on. You know, in uh, Proverbs chapter 10, verse 19, it says, too much talk leads to sin. Be sensible and keep your mouth shut. Bet you didn't think he said that. That's from the New Living Translation, by the way. This one is, uh, I loved it in uh, NIV, but New Living Translation made me laugh. Too much talk leads to sin. Be sensible and keep your mouth shut. All right, who's saying amen now? I'll tell you who's saying amen now. All the introverts. (laughs) That's who's saying amen now. Finally, we see the third part is slow to become angry. Slow to become angry. Now, you see, if you're a bad listener, you're going to make the person who's talking angry. If you're a person who talks a lot, you're going to make the listener angry, right? You probably didn't even know that. People who talk a lot have no idea what the impact is on the other side. People who are a bad listener have no impact of understanding what's on the other side. But in both cases, we're told slow to become angry. Slow to become angry. You've got to go back, Josh. Uh, so James chapter uh, 1, verse 20 and 21 says this. For a man's anger does not bring about the righteous life that God desires. Therefore, get rid of all moral filth and evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you which can save you. Notice two things here. Anger does not bring about righteousness. I know sometimes we want to say, I had righteous anger. Well, anger doesn't bring about righteousness. If you are angry all the time, you're missing the peace of God. 
If you're angry all the time, you are completely missing out on what God has for you. You're trying to get your way and not getting it. So what do we do? We get angry. And who said this before? James, just further up in chapter 1. Instead, we're called to call on God. You know, I can't change this world. And praise the Lord, I can't. Um, I can't do anything to change this world on my own. However, I can change the world by allowing the Holy Spirit to work in me and through me for his glory, where I'm looking for what God wants here and not myself. Notice this part comes from how we're tempted that we looked at last week. When we allow sin in our life, you probably didn't know this, but when we allow sin in our life, it pushes something else away. It pushes out holiness. That's why he's talking about filth. So if you let the moral filth in, it pushes out holiness and righteousness. So what wells up in conversation isn't from God. It's from this world. It comes from your, you're either based in righteousness or not. Again, here's my, you probably look it up later, but the guy grabbing that lady from pulling her across the counter, my goodness, that, that is not Jesus. So what's the cure here? You know, Psalm uh, 1914 says, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart, notice that, the connection, I think it's the next one, Josh, or maybe I didn't put it in there, that's okay. This is Psalm 1914. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Notice it comes from the heart. And Colossians 3, 8, 9 reminds us, but now you must rid yourself of all such thi uh, things as these. What, notice what he's saying here. Rid yourself. If you have this in your life, push it out. Fill yourself with Christ. Rid yourself of anger and rage and malice. That's what God's word says here in Colossians 3, 8, 9. But now you must rid yourself of all such things, anger, rage, malice, slander, that's gossiping, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices. How many of you, um, uh, when I was in the Marines, you went out to 29 Palms, you know, you wear the same clothes every day, almost every day. And so by the end of the week, you didn't have to actually look for them. They would just be standing there by the side of the bed. Just straight up and down. You just kind of step into them, right? You take off that, and by the time you get home, it is disgustingly dirty. You can't wash that with anything else. You just wash that by itself. So it can be clean again. In order to, you know, I wouldn't, uh, thank God, I don't still have those. Actually, I still have them, my flight suit, but I, it's washed. But imagine if I never washed that, and I put that on every day when I got up even if I'm still wearing it today, it'd be disgusting. You know, sometimes we carry around what the world has. It's just filthy and, and nasty. We've got to take it off is what God's word says. Be washed with the Holy Spirit. Put aside all those different things, the moral filth this world puts in us. Positive personality is filled with the Holy Spirit. The things of this world will get pushed out. All right, second idea. How do we do that? Well, James tells us right here. In James chapter 1, verse 22 to 25. And I love this little kid. Uh, can you go back to where he's screaming? How many have ever seen a child do that? Yeah. Guess what? You did too. All right, go back up. How many times have you seen a child do this? I'll tell you when a child does this. When you say something like, we're going to go to Disneyland this year. Ooh, heard that. Right? Go clean your room. What? So 
James says, do not merely listen to the word and deceive yourselves. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks in his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. Did you hear it? Did you see it? The type of listening there? He talks about the idea of passive listening and selective listening. Don't merely listen to the word and so deceive yourself. Active listening. Go and do it. Go and do it. And again, this is not written to the unbeliever. It's written to us, the Christians. So James is quite clear. If we passive and selective listen to God's word, we're going to be an utter failure. We're going to forget what it looks like. Do not merely listen to the word, so deceiving yourselves. When you read God's word and hear it preached and taught, you miss out what God has for you when you don't follow it. I talked about this before, but I just can't tell you how many believers I've, I've met, uh, and it's really hard. You know, I'm, I'm 54 years old. And I love it when people tell me, you don't look 54, Major. That, that warms my heart. But uh, I'm 54 years old, and I can't tell you how many people I've met in my life that I've known since I was a kid, and um, even people older than me. And I thought when I was a teenager and younger, and I thought, wow, those people are just so spiritual. I, I hope when I grow up I can be like them. And now I'm 54, and those people haven't grown spiritually. And it's hard to look at them because I'm thinking, what, what happened? It's like you were a teenager spiritually back then, and you're a teenager spiritually now that you're crazy older, not growing. So how do we grow? We need to put holiness and righteousness into our life. Verse 25, the, but the man who looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues to do this, not forgetting what he has heard, but doing it, he will be blessed in what he does. That person, I want you to notice what the focus is right there. In fact, if we're going through your word, God's word at home, you should write the word focus next to that. Focus. The focus is not on me. Me personally, Ken. The focus is not on you personally. The focus is on Jesus. That's who we're looking at. That is the standard. That is who we want in our life. Look into the word of God. Not me. Doesn't matter what Ken Perrine thinks about it. What does God's word say? How does it apply for me? Who is James talking to? Anytime you read through the Bible, you should be saying, this is for me. Oh. You know, I've read, uh, you know, the first uh, verse I ever read in the Bible or ever memorized in the Bible is, um, I love because he first loved us. It's in 1 John 1, 19. That's a verse. And the second one uh, is Psalm 119, 11. Thy word I've hidden my heart that I may not sin against thee. And I'll tell you, if you only memorize two scripture passages, John 3, 16 is a good one, right? These are the two to memorize. Thy word I've hidden my heart that I may not sin against thee. It's hidden in my heart so that I can live for you, Jesus. And 2 Timothy 2, 15, which is hangs on my wall, says, do your, your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a workman who does not need to be ashamed and correctly handles the word of truth that hangs in my office. 
The victorious Christian life starts and ends with taking the focus off myself and yourself and put the focus on God. James continues, he says, he says this, continue in the word of God. And that's a reminder we have not arrived spiritually. We have not arrived. It's a journey. God's word talks about it as a race. It's not like, oh, you know what? I know that already, Major. I've heard this. I've read this scripture a thousand times. You have nothing good new for me to say. Don't hear it. Wow, you're closed off, missing the blessing. And you're on the verge of grabbing that McDonald's uh, person, yanking them across the counter. Because what's blowing out of you isn't Jesus. Continue on in the word. Continue to leave your sin, the filth of this world, behind and follow Christ. If we do, we'll be a hearer of God's word and a doer, which is what we're called to do. The Bible is not a book of pithy sayings. Isn't this neat? It's an action, a book of action. We're not a labor camp. We're called to action. Result, listening, positive, uh, listening and following is a result, is, is growth, spiritual growth. The last one is positive purity. It's a shorter one. But notice how James then circles back to our speech in James uh, 1, 26. Go to the next one. There you go. I love this picture here. Ooh, love that. If anyone considers himself religious, yet does not keep a tight rein on his tongue, he deceives himself and his religion is worthless. Religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after the orphans and the widows in their distress and keep oneself from being polluted by this world. Now I want us to look at the word religion because, you know, as, as Christians, what do we say? I don't follow religion, I follow Jesus, right? How many times have you heard that? I don't follow religion, I follow Jesus. Well, following Jesus is religion, hate to tell you. But religion is defined as the outward expression of our worship, Right? The worship in ritual or liturgy or ceremony. The fact that we're sitting here worshiping together, that we sang this morning, that's part of religion. It's part of worship. Meaning folks can see that, right? I can see you. You can see me. We saw, mostly saw Eric when he was back there on the drums. It's an expression of worship. And James is saying that authentic, true, real religion is much more than outward expression of worship. You can be a great at raising your hand. Praise Jesus. You can say amen at everything. Have the best-looking uniform in the world. Be a perfect horn player. While your inner soul can be filled with this world and you're just deceiving yourself. So listen up. This is important. You know what Jesus said about this? About people who are always hearing and never, never acting? You know, in Matthew chapter 15, verses 8 and 9, and then verses 16 and 20, which should be up there, might be hard to read, so I'll read it to you. Uh, Jesus said this. These, he's talking about the Pharisees, which is interesting, right? He's talking about the church. These words are for me. These words are for you. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are, are rules taught by men. Isn't that funny? Because you might be reading that going, that's right, amen. But that applies to me also. Jesus went on to say this. Jesus tells them that the, out of the heart of man comes the words of man. Are you so dull? You know, um, I can't remember which translation, but I remember the first time I, and I have literally all of them, uh, one of the paraphrases doesn't say, are you still so dull? It says, are you still so stupid? 
There's the S word in church, and I shouldn't say that word. Yeah, that's right. Don't use that word. But it says, are you still so stupid? The main idea is, are you still so dull? When you think of the word dull here, think of a knife. Right? Anybody remember, remember those commercials, Ginsu? Ginsu knife? You cut the tomato. and the, Well, first, they cut an aluminum can. Why are you even doing that? I have no idea. And then they go to cut a tomato. Right? They're showing, look, it doesn't get dull. If you cut all the aluminum cans you want and all the tomatoes you want, it'll just be fine. Are you still so dull? The idea is a not sharp knife, right? If I gave you, uh, you came over the house, you have a, a beautiful steak, and uh, we give you some carrots and other stuff, and then we put, give you a, a plastic fork and a plastic knife. That's going to be hard, especially since I like to do my steak well done. It's going to be hard to eat. Are you still so dull, unsharp? Do you not see that whatever enters the mouth goes through the stomach, into the stomach, and then out of the body? But the things that come out of the mouth come from the heart from the heart and these make a man unclean for out of the heart comes evil thoughts murder adultery sexual immorality theft false testimony slander these are what make a man unclean but eating with unwashed hands does not make him unclean that's what jesus has to say you see what do we have inside is what's going to come welling out of our our voice see back to james if we don't keep a tight rein on our tongue According to James, how to start fires and destroy people. We are deceiving ourselves about our walk. We need more than a glance in the mirror. We need to allow ourselves to peer into God and allow God to peer into our souls and say, hey, Ken, you need to work on this now. To drive out the filth and allow ourselves to be filled with the glory of God. We need to see ourselves as God sees us and be filled with the glory of God. The religion that God's looking for is to be a faithful follower of him. Faithful follower. Okay, how does this relate to real life, really? So what? You know, I've, I've known some amazingly godly people in my life, and I, I know I say this lots of times, but I, I've met some people in my life that no matter how old I am, every time I'm within their presence, I, I constantly am thinking, and I'm 54. I'm constantly thinking, when I grow up, I want to be like them. Commissioner Bill Luttrell, Major Harold Hultine, Major Dale Hill, Major Jerry Hill. Lots of people I can point out to say, you know what, when I'm in their presence, now two of them have been promoted to glory. I'm like, wow, Lord, what a blessing. What an amazing blessing. But there are, no, there are people that when they speak, it's God's word coming out, no matter what we're doing. If I said, pass the salt, here's the salt, Ken. Ooh, Jesus gave me the salt. They provide godly wisdom, given in humility and love. They are unpolluted by the world. Now, these are my thoughts of them. Is that true? Obviously not. But they are godly people. Godly people. I can see righteousness in their life. Are they at times scared? Absolutely. Are they at times uh, upset with what's going on in this world? Absolutely. But they are righteous people. God dwells in them, and God comes out of them. That's what we're called to do. This world doesn't need more Christians with uh, shirts that say John 3.16 or repent or die or you're a sinner. Those signs may be true, but the, what the church and what the world needs is us to love them. That love that Jesus' love is, pours out of us and into their life. 
I don't need to hit you over the head with God's word in order for you to see it. You should be able to see it myself. Now, granted, there are times when I'm talking to people, I do want to hit them with the world's biggest Bible. That is absolutely true. If I had a 10-ton Bible, I would just drop it on them. Maybe wake them up or crush them, one of the two. There's a story of a man named Jim. Sounds like the beginning of another TV show. Jim happened to meet Major on the street one day, and during the conversation, he was telling uh, Major about all his troubles, Jim said. This year, 2020, has been absolutely crazy. I think we can agree with that. And uh, he wound up, up with telling Major, he said, it's enough to make a guy lose his religion, Jim said. The Major listened to him quietly and then said, you know what, Jim? It's enough to make a man use his religion. Use his religion to use Jesus in this world. This world needs hope and peace and love and needs to break free from rage and all the other crazy stuff that's going on. And what do they need? They need us. They need us to be sharing God with others. I agree that the world is topsy-turvy. People are streaming their points of view at anger. He's flowing from their soul. Our response needs to come from love. It doesn't matter who's in the White House. You know, the United States could disappear tomorrow and Jesus is still reigning. Did you know that? Did you realize that? Salvation Army can disappear tomorrow. Jesus will still reign. World War III could break out literally tomorrow and billions of people die. Jesus will still reign. All the stuff that we get all so wound up about is useless outside of Christ. The world doesn't need us to be talking about at them with Jesus. It needs to be living. We need to be living Christ so that they can hear Jesus when we're speaking to them. So Jesus is in us and is coming out for other people to see and receive. People who call themselves Christians, it shows. You know, Jesus says in Matthew uh, chapter 5, uh, verse 13, he says, you are the salt of the earth. Amen. You're the salt of the earth. But if salt loses its saltiness, how can it be made salty again? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled by men. You know what salt is that's lost its saltiness? It's called dirt. That's what it is. I am sure that none of you are going to go have lunch, grab a handful of dirt, walk into the restaurant, and sprinkle that on your burger. Not going to happen. By the way, you shouldn't have too much salt either. It's not good for your health. But, but salt is salty, right? Dirt is dirt. So we're called to be the salt of the earth. Need to be different. To add seasoning. Add seasoning. So listen up. This is important. Let's take the words of James. Remember, it applies to us. It applies to us. It applies to me. It applies to you. This world doesn't, doesn't need more angry people. It's got enough. It doesn't need more craziness. There's enough. What it needs is peace and joy and love. And it needs to see Jesus. And it needs to see Jesus in us. We're going to finish with uh, this final song. It's Lord, I Need You. If you've got something going on in your life, you just say, well, Lord, I need you. You know, I need you in my life. I need to uh, get some stuff changed around. I, I want people to see you in my life. I'm going to drop off the anger. I'm going to drop off the filth. I want to drop off whatever's going on at your altar. You can do that today. If you've got to pray for somebody else, maybe you've got somebody else in your heart and your mind that you're thinking of, well, this person's got some some issues. How can I reach out to them? How can I love them? How can I show them the peace and joy of Jesus? How can I do that, Lord? 
Man, this place of prayer is open for you. We need him. We need him. This first verse is, Lord, I, Lord, I come, I confess, bowing here. I find my rest. That's why we're constantly calling people to the altar, because you get to come here and leave it here. You know, when you, um, when you got to take out the trash, you know, you've had a big meal, and if you left that trash in your house, it'll make the house stink. God wants us to take that trash in our life and leave it on his altar. He'll clean it up. We can walk away free. Praise the God for the trash man who comes every Tuesday. Jesus wants to take the trash in your life and make it pure. You leave here empty of that, full of him. If you've got somebody else in your life, some kind of friend or family or acquaintance that you've been praying for, say, Lord, how do I reach this person? Pray for him here. We're going to sing this song, and if God's been talking this morning, you pray. Pray at this seat, pray here, whatever you like. Let's pray. Here we go. I, I pray that is our prayer this morning, that we need you. Every hour, every moment, every second, Lord, we need you. Lord, we have all sorts of different ideas going through our head of what this world needs, what our country needs, what our, our state needs, what our county needs, what our city needs, what our neighborhood needs, Lord. All of that is irrelevant without you, Jesus. All of those things need you, Jesus. And you have placed us here, Lord, at this very moment in time, Lord, to pray for revival of our own soul, Lord, of our own lives, Lord. Pray for revival in our own families, Lord. Pray for revival in this church, Lord. Pray for revival in this city, Lord. In this county, Lord. In this state. In this country. In this world, Lord. That it would start with me. Start with us. We need you, Lord. Every hour. We can't do it on our own. That our actions, our words, our everything, everything that dwells in us and flows out of us would just be you, Lord Jesus. That is our prayer. We need you.